In episode 11.1 of Unshuffled, we discuss the self-titled debut album from electronic band LCD Sound System. Something different, let's check it out. Welcome listeners, welcome to Unshuffled. Great to have you back, or great to have you if it's the first time. Uh, I'm your host, Matt, and I'm in a little uh, broom closet in Portugal, and joining me as he always does from Japan, Mr. Scotty D, welcome. Morning, welcome, welcome, Hazizi. I'm I'm noticing for the first time on our new uh, recording format, we've got our names. Yeah, Scott Duke. It said there was a place for me to put a title. Right. And you put Duke? I don't know. Seemed like <laughs> a good title. Seemed <laughs> modest. Seemed like I didn't go crazy. I didn't go Lord. <laughs> well, normally with our podcast, we do like to get straight into talking about our album. But it's a new band and a completely new genre for us. So I just want to give the listeners a little bit of background about where we're coming from and what experience with this kind of genre we're talking about so if you didn't listen to our we choose our next band episode shame on you but we've decided to go decidedly non-metal the band we've chosen is called lcd sound system genre is a little bit hard to define but they're kind of dancey and and really different for us in terms of what we've covered before and very different for me how different is it for you scott how how far out of your comfort zone is this band uh it's um yeah it's out there i how would okay so how would you describe like is it like electronic punk is it a, a dance what is it like there's a definite punk edge to some to songs it, to some songs and he was in a punk band mm, you did your research yes all right yeah he was in a punk band in the 90s i think that kind of you know went nowhere but yeah he certainly got punk Punk uh, veins, punk roots. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Genre, let's just call it electronic. But it, I mean, there's such a mix yeah. of songs on this and we'll get into them in a moment. But uh, where, where, where are you in the electronic music world? Where, you know, what's your, your background? Uh, I don't know. I, I know that, do you remember? So in like the late 90s, I lived in England for a while, and that was when, like, Underworld and Ninja Tunes and kind of that whole that whole sound was sort of bubbling up. And I was into that. And, yeah, and I was into that. And actually, I had a friend who was Japanese but living in Cambridge. And um, he would play, and he and I would get together and jam, and he was super into, like, Japanese electronic electro music right and i would play bass with them and i but that was it it never really it was never anything that i sought out on my own okay so you never would buy a cd or anything like that well no i didn't actually i mean what lcd sound system's been around since 2005 and i know of them i mean i've heard of them but i never i never sought them out all right because there was some music like personally like we both metal heads and, and lean heavy as we say 
I kind of like for me it was Chemical Brothers, like the big ones, Massive Attack. Mm. I always quite liked it, but mm. I don't know. I mean, you English teachers have something you call contextual knowledge, right? Which is when you, which helps you decode and understand a novel. And I don't feel like I'm bringing a whole lot of contextual no- knowledge to this <laughs> album. I don't know about you. <laughs> I think that skill's limited to English teachers. Um, the uh, yeah no the, yes that that's it exactly. I mean, there's a lot of uh, I'm reminded of a lot. Like I, th- there's a band Spoon. I really like this band Spoon. They're not electronic, but there's a lot of things in LCD sound system where I think, oh, that that reminds me of Spoon. Um, and so there there is like there's a familiarity when I'm listening to it, but no, I'm not super knowledgeable of this genre. All right, so. So, listeners, if you're tuning in to hear two electronic music, you know, aficionados talk you through the finer details and, and every little subtle reference the lead singer makes lyrically, you're not going to get it here. It's more like two cavemen looking at the sun and going, you know, big, big fire well, thing. <laughs> well, here's an example. All right. So when a lot of times when we've been like listening to a lot of the other bands and there's cool like pick scratches or just certain things that are done for kind of a, an aural effect. I feel like sometimes, not all the time, but most of the time I kind of know what was done. Maybe I know what pedal was used or I know what effect was done. But here there's like, oh, the only way I'm going to be able to describe it is the part where it's like, bleep, bloop, bleep, bloop, right? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to describe it. I assume it's a synthesizer, but hell if I know. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm coming yeah, there'll be plenty of bleep and bloop. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, now that our listeners know that we're coming into this with nothing, um, maybe it'll make. Hopefully, it'll make for an interesting chat. Uh, so let's let's hope so. And uh, you can start, Scotty, by talking us through the details of the album we're looking at today. Yeah. So this is the first album, uh, LCD Sound System, self-titled. It was released on January 24th, 2005. Uh, it was okay, so it was produced by the DFA, which used I, I did get a little backstory on this. It used to be called Death from Above. And then I, for a reason, they changed the name to Death from Abroad. And I don't remember if another band was called Death from Above or it had something to do with 9 11. There was something around 2001 I th- that they had to change their name. And they changed it to Death from Abroad. So, but apparently they were like a production. It was Tim Goldsworthy and James Murphy who were kind of were they both maybe the brainchilds of this band? And then Tim Goldsworthy kind of moved on and did another thing. I'm not sure about all that. Um, anyway, the label, it was even they self-produced and they were kind of they had their own subsidiary uh with Capital and EMI. Um, they recorded it in North Brookfield and New York. I think those are both in New York. And then the lineup, it's its a lineup. It's a lot of people. And I, I don't know who we give credit to. And when we do the band Brownlow, I don't know who we give credit to. Mm. But James James Murphy is vocals, instruments, songwriting. And then Tim Goldsworthy is listed in the lineup credits, but as producer. And then there's just Eric 
Brusek, unclear what he does. Tyler Pope plays bass and guitars. Nancy Wang, who I think, and I think that Tyler Pope guy might still be with the band too. And I think Nancy Wang is still with the band. She does keys, keyboards, backing vocals. Patrick Mahoney does drums and backing vocals. And then there's another woman named Mandy Kuhn, and I don't know what she does. Yeah, so on the CD, it just says most sounds, James Murphy, other sounds, and then it lists the other people. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you know, I think Brown, the three votes probably going to be pretty easy on this album, but uh, yeah, in terms of <laughs> any of the others too, James, I James, James, James. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, like James Murphy, clearly the driving force behind this band, wasn't exactly young when he released this debut album. He'd already been in a mm-hmm. punk band in the 90s, and I believe he'd done a lot of production and stuff for other people and always been around the music scene But and and, and was DJing too, I think, and getting some notoriety as a, as a DJ when he, he, he decided to, to yeah, do this. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Breaking the scene. and the well, How old was he? He was over 30. I don't know if he was over 30 or around 30. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So um, before we get into the various categories, uh, I've got the hard copy. Have you seen the cover art? You want to talk? talk yeah, to I, through that. Well, you've got it. I I I don't know much about this one, and this isn't the one I was actually. I think shoot, I was reading a story about how they covered. I bet the, I bet this is for the second album. I was reading a story about how they covered the equipment and studio in foil mm-hmm. but the next album's called sound of silver uh. well, the next so, one's got like a, a security camera or something in the front i just ordered that one today but this one's got a disco ball yeah okay just a black and white image so it's reflective and yeah i've got the cd it's got uh it's got that disco ball image on the front Folds out, and um, I think most versions these days come with a second disc, this one included, which gathers up a lot of the singles and things they were doing before they put this full-length full album, uh, debut album out, uh, including one called Losing My Edge, which I think they still play at gigs, very well-known song. Um, but we'll focus on the first disc today, which is the full length, but perhaps we can have a little chat about disc two later on. All right, so we've got now four categories, and we're going to a little like um, ways to focus on songs. So we're going to start by talking about the opener, and then we'll move on to our favorite tracks and, and a few other categories after that. But uh, just as we always do, what uh, what were your thoughts when you first put on the album and heard Daft Punk is playing at my house? So this song I had heard before. This song, this was not the first time I'd heard this song. So I knew this one, but it was, and I, I guess my thought was, is eh, well, what's not to like? It's just, it's a funky little dance number. It's got cool bass riff. It's got funky guitars. There's clangy percussions, some hand claps. Um, I think this is the song actually where I said that the, the lead James Murphy's voice reminds me of Britt Daniels from Spoon. Just kind of similarities in the tenor. Um, I did wonder uh, if, not to be critical, if maybe it's not possible that the song is maybe a little too long. Maybe there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. With there's kind of just some like interludes in the song where, I, I, but I suppose if you're out there on the dance floor dancing, 
then yeah, you won't keep dancing. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't change much. I mean, it's just that sort of one bass line. I love the way it starts the, uh, uh, ow, the, uh, the little howl in the, uh, at the very start. And you mentioned the hand claps. I'm a sucker for a, a hand clap. We haven't heard hand claps since the runaways. The runaways had a few hand claps. No, I think we get space special, lasers but... on this album. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of, plenty of that. Um, so, I mean, what stood out to me in shifting genre from Paul Bearer and a lot of other sort of very dense, heavy music is just the simplicity of it. And, like, it's just that bass line that repeats the whole song. And it's just sort of reveling in that. And that's, that's cool. Like, it's okay. You know, we don't have the five-part intricate orchestral movements of Paul Bearer or the... You know, there's no Mario to, uh, on drums just, just tying himself in knots. It's just really simple. It's, and lyrically, I mean, it's simple too. It's just the story of this really cool big party that this guy's having. So it's just fun. And, um, yeah, a long way from Paul Bearer, put it that way. Um, it was a real party song, this one, I thought. And and I think they still played it pretty much every gig they play today so to me yeah strong strong start and, and yeah good fun great film clip too we'll link to that in the show notes this has got it i mean this is their biggest hit right i think this was that massive like breakthrough hit for them right certainly the breakthrough i don't know i think when we get to some of the later albums there's some hits there as well but mm. uh okay yeah certainly the biggest hit off this album at least yeah no um but there's not much more to say it's just fun and cool and good good times yeah <laughs> uh is it your favorite track on the album is it the killer for you or is there another one nope there is what, another one what's killer tribulations it's the one it's the one that keeps playing through my head after i've stopped listening i don't know what it is i like the synth sound i like the melody the rhythm it this is what you were asking me if i'd listened to this before this this song it this is it pulls me back to when i was living in in london in, in 96, kind of just where that whole train spotting soundtrack and Ninja Tunes and everything was sort of making its. And uh, and it's got space lasers. I am a sucker for the space laser. Um, there's that little space laser breakdown in the middle of the song. That was it. That, that I think that alone shot it to the top for me. Yeah, yeah. I, um, this is my killer too, Tribulations. So we is agree. it really? Yeah. Oh. Um, we didn't talk about the second track, obviously, Too Much Love. So it was a real up party song, the first one, and then there was a kind of down, introspective, reflective, Too Much Love second, and then this one, somewhere in between, not quite as, um, you know, knock the doors off as the first one, but but uh, it's a dancier track. I do like the guitars in this one, and just the way it, the, the rise and fall, so he really... He's really good at just building up a song piece by piece and just slowly introducing you to each new element and then occasionally just bringing it back down again to, to almost nothing and then rebuilding it. So that happens in this one. I like the way it's done. I don't know what he's talking about. Get your payments from the nation for your trials and tribulations. What is this? Social security? <laughs> Maybe. He's older. You did say that. You started with that. I don't know, but um, I don't think it matters. 
I didn't mention the guitar, and you did. I love the sound, and I should have. I love the sound of that loose, twangy guitar. Yeah, it sounds great. It's, and well it's recorded. such a cool sound. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's because it's so sparsely recorded compared to what we're used to. I've noticed myself just picking out sounds a lot more easily and, and enjoying mm. them. And, and sometimes just a little, like a, a cowbell or something, but, but just each, it is well recorded. And um, yeah, and when you get a nice little guitar y track or something, you can certainly pick it out and enjoy it. So yeah, that was my killer too. Wonder if you got the same grower. What's your grower? Well, let's check this out. Mine's a disco infiltrator. No, it's not mine. Let's hear oh, about why. Disco infiltrator. Um, let me see what I wrote here. I uh, oh, the sample in the background. It, it sounds. It this reminds me of something from like Beck's Dust Brothers years. I think which was also nineteen ninety six. Right. Um, just kind of the samples and the way that that it's put together. And and I don't like I I looked this up because as I was listening to it I thought for sure that the chorus the backing was Andre three thousand from Outcast like it sounds so much like Andre three thousand from Outcast and I don't think it is I I've looked them up and there was a Gorillas track that came out called Do Your Thing that has LCD sound system and Andre three thousand but there's nothing about um, this song but anyway this was one that just kind of I mean, just under the definition of, of grower, I just, the more I heard, the more I listened to this album, uh, the, the more I enjoyed it. And this is one where I, I, the sound effects of it are just fun, but I have no idea what's making those sounds. Right. Well, there's like, handcaps and cowbell. Right. But yeah, the bloopy bloopy stuff. No, <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know where that's coming from. And <laughs> yeah. I want to know. I do want to know. Yeah. And then uh, they finishes with "Bear in Mind." We all fall behind from time to time, which is repeated over and over. Um, interesting that you chose that as your grower because it hadn't grown on me. In fact, it was my closest I could find a filler. And and again, we use this. We use this term. Uh, with love with love yeah I, I so and it's always the second last track where i'm i'm slightly more heightened to that hmm. uh than the other so it, it didn't grab me i, I felt i don't know I, it, by this stage i'd kind of got the formula and, and and this was another one that followed that build it up and tear it down shockingly sparse arrangement in the first verse just hardly any instruments playing hmm. um but i don't know i didn't i just found myself kind of i need to be done yeah i was a bit over it by that point did you have a filler or anything approaching it i did but i'm curious to know what your grower is because i'm wondering if oh, you haven't done a grower yet yeah i'm wondering if my filler is your grower oh well, let's let's see because my grower is movement oh no i like that song too i like it and i would love like he was in a punk band so this mm -hmm. is the electro punk and I would love to hear this just done by a punk band with guitars and a you know a crappy drum kit in a pub because it, it sounds like a punk punk song. It's got a really thrashy drum, um, th you know, it, it, a lot of snare in that drum beat, very thrashy, and then it rocks the hell out in the chorus, and you know where they're going nuts, and that's where you could see the punk band just sort of jumping around in that chorus. Um, and it's got some more guitar, and, and I like the guitar in this. So 
whenever they use guitar with their instrumental electronic instruments, I really like it. And this is another example. It's very quick, three minutes, so classic punk, three three minute punk song. And um, and I love the fact that it's so almost from nowhere, like. And there's a lot of diversity on like this nine tracks and, and really many of them are quite different. There's a lot of different styles in just that nine tracks. And this is basically a punk song. So, and it, and it grew on me. I think this one was close to being my, I mean, my, my notes are praising it. I'm just, I described it as robot punk. Um, I bet the song, like to your point, I bet the song is just awesome live. I love how it builds up and then just goes off. And it's like, I don't even know what it's singing. It's singing about dads and fat guys in t-shirts. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what it's about. And then the distortion that just drives the song into chaos. And then it like dies down with this like fading metronome. It's, it's a pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you, uh, that's a good song. Yeah. Maybe it's too good to be a grow. It, it grabs you straight away. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe yeah. I needed a killer part two. <laughs> Have you got any filler or anything like it? I, I do on repeat. It's right. it's as advertised. It's, yeah. it's eight minutes of repeat. Yeah. Mm. Which, which, which? I mean, it's like the same beat. He does change the vocal styling a little bit, but the same tone. Um, there's some banging on the guitar that does come in there that's kind of cool and breaks it all up. But the fact that it's eight minutes, there is a part where I found myself thinking, I, I, I think he's having a go. <laughs> like I think like I think it's repetitive and it's supposed to be repetitive. Um I think I think that there's I, I think I think maybe laughs were being had well I don't know, maybe not. Maybe I'm You think is having a joke at the audience's expense? I, I, I feel like it. Right. It reminds me of there's a there's a song by an Australian band, really good band called Regurgitator and it's the song's called I like repetitive music. Mm-hmm. And it's just I like repetitive music. I like repetitive music. And just, <laughs> so yes, that's I guess the same vein. I just three to four minutes. I would have got the point. Eight mm-hmm. minutes. All right, you're saying something. Well, making, eight, minute, eight minutes really makes the point. <laughs> right. Um, his vocals, that block nose style, sounds like he's got mm. a cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on repeat. It's um, it's it's very emphasized here um i don't know what what do you think of his singing style generally um i like it it's very uh uh, i want to say like conversational yes um it 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 feels like yeah uh i like it it it's not there's no pretension to it it's not it just seems very natural. It's just it's it's, it's his obvious go to vocal styling. I think you're talking in general, right? Not just in not general, yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm torn on it. I, I quite like it, and it suits the music well enough. I'm just wondering if it's perhaps a lack of confidence in his in his. I'm wondering if it's got something that's going to change. Hmm. Get uh, stronger. Yeah, I think often it's the vocalist we've noticed that is the one that develops most. So you know, from from opening album to to last album. So we'll see. And yeah, sometimes I just found it a little too overdone, like a bit sort of affected that repeater that um, like just a bit too too much. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. All right. So there are four categories done. Uh, have you got a stand, standout moment? 
I do, but real quick, your filler was Disco Infiltrator, right? Yeah, sorry. Okay. No, no, no. I thought you'd said that. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah, my standout moment is uh, – what? Uh, hold on. Uh, track five, never as tired as when I'm waking up. Right. And the reason is that – What, the whole it, track? Yeah. I, I did. I picked the whole track. Um because it feels completely different from, and, and we talked about how the, but this song feels completely different from anything on, else on the album. And it starts, it mixes like this 90s, 2000s Brit pop, but also kind of has this like late 60s Beatlesque esque vibe, which feels oxymoronic because a lot of the late 90s, early 2000s Brit pop was calling back to Beatles, but this feels like it actually sort of, bind ties that bind or whatever that saying is yeah i don't know i it was an interesting song it, it wasn't it wasn't a grower or killer but um i felt like i needed to talk about that song somewhere so i put it at standout moment just because yeah, how well, starkly different it was yeah it is it, the beatles was certainly the first band that came to my mind when i heard the song now i'm no beatles expert I spoke to the, the Beatles guy at school and, and asked him to listen to the song and said, which Beatles song does this sound like? He, he said, Dear Prudence, which I've also seen, heard or read in, um, in, in a review comparing this song to Dear Prudence. I listened to Dear Prudence. I didn't think it was that similar. Hmm. Yeah. But that's off the White Album. Yeah. It does sound like something. So maybe it sounds like someone who sounds like the Beatles. I don't know. But I, the first thing I thought of was the, was the Beatles. Hmm. Yeah, I thought the lyrics were interesting in this. They're explicit lyrics and they're kind of pathetic and sad. And I think it's some sort of commentary on modern sexuality, disposable relationships or something like that. But I think it's certainly interesting uh, in that way. And um, perhaps we'll come back to that when we talk standout lyrics. Uh, my standout moment was just that chorus of movement. So yeah, I've spoken about that no. already. Love that bit yep. every time. Hmm. Love, love. Uh, standout lyric, best or worst? The So the notable lyric for me <clears throat> is where he says, it's from Daft Punk is playing in my house. Hmm. And here's why. And I'm about to get, it's, it's, there's a personal story here. But it's the third verse where he says, well, everybody lined up in my house. Sarah's, is it Sarah's girlfriend is working the door? Um, and the only reason this, this calls me back. So I used to live in this house in back when I lived in Cedar Rapids when I graduated high school and, uh, Prince was playing in Cedar Rapids and I lived in this house with these other guys that I was in a band with and our living room was just basically our jam room. All of our instruments were set up there. And so we would invite people over on the weekends and we would just, just jam basically. Right. Just. Yeah, faff around on our instruments and people would come in and out and play. Anyway, so we went down and tried to get my roommate went down and tried to get Prince to come to our house to, to jam. And and he started telling people that Prince was coming to our house to jam and people showed up oh, to man. see Prince at our house to jam. Uh, Prince did not come to our house. Our buddy made zero contact with Prince to even initiate that that process. I like the but fact then, it sounds like he genuinely thought that was going to happen. So he wasn't he, lying to people. He <laughs> well, he invited people. Um, and then when I moved to I lived in Seattle for a while and a buddy of mine, my roommate there was working at a bar 
and Cindy Crawford, Eddie Vedder, and Dennis Rodman all came in. They'd all been filming like this House of Style episode. And he tried to get them to come to our house <laughs> and, and started like started yelling. I don't know. This whole thing of him trying to get Eddie Vedder to come to our house. So anyway, on two separate occasions, I've tried to get Daft Punk to play at my house unsuccessfully. I like the idea of these these guys rocking up to your house, you know, Eddie Vedder and Prince, and you guys saying, "All right, just sit over there and listen to his jam." Yeah. For the record, <laughs> if if that had happened, you would have known this story so long ago. Uh, pretty good, huh, Eddie? You can't don't hear you singing yeah, like that. We we think about that. <laughs> uh, I I like your friend's confidence. That's uh, that's good. <laughs> Matt's got to know his limitations, back, but, <laughs> but uh, I do admire his confidence. Um, what category are you talking about? Standout lyric. Standout lyrics. Yeah, that's full of standout lyrics. That first song. It's such such a good party. It sounds great. I like it when the furniture's put away. You know, there's not going to be any spills. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the garage. <laughs> Uh, my standout lyric, I don't know, uh, too much love I really thought was a, uh, maybe it could have gone a little bit later in the album. It was a bit of a downer after that first song, but this sort of, he's, he's sort of thinking ahead to what's life going to be like when all this is over. And, and, um, the lyric that I thought really worked there was with no memory to keep you up at night. So this sort of faded party animal, it's, uh, it's kind of a sad image with, with no memory um from the the fun times so that was my standout lyric no story attached to that although my memory is not as good as it used to be with reference to that song though you had mentioned it like where it was in the in the um lineup there i i agree i felt that the song was i wasn't ready for it yeah. I needed I needed to be wound down to it. It was it was too much of a change. Um, yeah, I I felt that that song. I I needed I needed like a we needed to progressively step down to get from Daft Punk to Too Much Love. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Well, I mean, the last track we haven't spoken about, Great Release, is is also <clears> a very <throat> slow, kind of melancholic vibe to it. Yeah, um, and not a bad. When I thought it was, it was probably worth mentioning, just because I thought it was a good track. It's at, the last track. It's called "Great Release." I thought it wouldn't be out of place on uh, Zuropa, the U two album. That mm. um, piano chords, stringy synths. I thought it was a nice finish to the album as well. Uh, have you got a "What were they thinking?" moment? The only thing, and it's not a "What were they thinking?" It's just a question, and that's where did the second album come from? Like what was, why, why all of a sudden, I think it was like a year later, a year after the album had been released that, and, and I remember back in the days of CDs, bands all the time would have tracks that they hadn't, didn't make the album and they would release EPs with some of these like extra songs packaged on them. But this is like a full other album. And, yeah. and so I'm wondering, were they all, were they all just recorded at the same time? And the record company was like, you can't release 18 songs. Nobody's heard of you. Or, or was it something that in that year span where they released, where they recorded? I, don't, I was just curious as to where they came from, um, why they were held back, why they were released. Yeah. Uh, I really like 
the first and last song on that second album. Um, first song is Losing My Edge, which you said is still kind of a popular song that gets played. Yeah. And then uh, and then the last song is Your City's a Sucker. Um, yeah. I, I really like that one. Too. I think they still play that too. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I'm, my understanding is these are all earlier tracks that they sort of gathered up. Okay. For the re-release. I, I think these were written before this album is my understanding anyway. So it's just like a cleaning out the closet. I think so. And, and I guess fans wanted to hear, like to hear these songs live and they wanted to, where can we get losing my edge on record? Is it recorded somewhere? And, and this was mm. a way of giving the fans what they want, just like we do every month on unshuffled. <laughs> um, so yeah, my, what were they thinking? I don't know. Have I got a, what were they thinking? Um, have I? No, I don't, I don't think I've got one. I, I, just a notable thing. Just the very last second of Disco Infiltrator. The song's finished, and then you hear this like tiny little, it's like a mistake almost. Um, you know, that bear in mind bit? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so the song's finished, and then you just hear bear, and then it, it's like, I, I think it's, in, I, I, you wouldn't have left it in there. But it's just a strange. Uh, that was. It, it's a. It's a fraction of a second. But it was just like. Ooh, I wonder why. What he was thinking. So that's. Uh, I guess that will be my. What were they thinking moment. Okay. Did you notice that? I don't know that I did actually. All right, I have another listen. Maybe I. Maybe just. just the, I recorded the CD badly or something. I don't know. But uh, have a listen. Have a listen. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bam Brownlow. Three votes. All right, I, I do have. I picked three people. Did you? Wow. Totally, ar- totally arbitrarily. Okay. Um, but uh, well, I don't think totally arbitrarily. Actually, um, I think I think I think I can justify this. Uh, so the I, I gave the two or the one vote. Sorry. To um, Nancy Wang. I don't know what she does on the album, <laughs> but. <laughs> I think in my research, she's still there. She's still like a part of the band. She's still hanging out. In fact, whenever you see any photos of the band, I think that's her. I think she's always there behind the keyboards. Whenever okay. you see like a photo of James Murphy, I think you see her behind him. All right. So, so she got the one vote. Let's assume just, some of those electronic sounds are coming from her. Just based on longevity. Um, I gave number two to Tim Goldsworthy just because I think as I understand it, this this first album, at least, I think Tim Goldsworthy goes away after this one. But this first album, I think, was a lot of him and James Murphy together. <clears throat> and then the three votes, of course, went to James Murphy. All right. So I'll give three to James Murphy. Um, other sounds. Oh, man. You've done well. I don't think I can award other votes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Perhaps by the next album, I'm just going to vote. Give the three, and controversially, not not have a two and a one, just because I have no okay. idea. Fair. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll look. Perhaps next album, I'll have a bit more of an idea of who's doing what. But I don't feel I do at this point. So we've gotten through this pretty quickly, and I guess our lack of contextual knowledge, as I said, has contributed to that. Um, but have you got any sort of closing thoughts on the up? Like, do you, have we done the right thing? <laughs> have you enjoyed it? And uh, are you looking forward to the next one? I uh, uh, okay. It's You're funny hesitating. that you ask. 
I'm not trying to hesitate. Um, it's funny that you asked if we done the right thing because I was wondering the same. There was a moment during I, at some point where I was listening to this, and I'm like, "What? What's going through Matt's head right now? Is he? <laughs> how's he doing with this? Is he okay? Should I reach out to him? Should I call his <laughs> wife? Should somebody check on him? Um, <laughs> I, I yes, I I'm glad we're doing this. I actually am, and I think that I think that every time. For every almost nearly every band we've done that first album, I leave the conversation somewhat dubious, right? Yeah. And it's it's usually for me just in the context of what we're doing here. I don't really know how to talk about many of the bands that we've done the first album, so I don't feel that kind of far out of my element here. And it's usually that second or th it's the second and definitely by the third album where I start to figure out, okay, that's what's, that's how this works. That's how these guys are working. This is what I can expect. This is, I now have, it's the contextual knowledge you were talking about at the beginning. Yeah. So this first album establishes that contextual knowledge. Yeah. Now, like going into the second album, I know what I'm working with. Right. And this band is massive. Like this band is huge. People love, like nobody, people don't just like LCD sound system. Anybody I have talked to and told them what we're doing, they get so excited that we're doing LCD sound system. Yeah. Yeah. Like they people love. love, they love this band. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pure. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to see. I'm here to see where that happens, where that takes off. And I, I think it's not just Daft Punk is playing in my house. I think, I think it's going to go beyond that. And I'm curious to see where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I guess you don't have to know. Uh, I like your point about adding contextual knowledge by just listening to the more albums by the same band. Uh, you, you know, so that's, that's true. Um, I'm 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 okay with the choice we've made. I did enjoy this, and I'm like I've, I have lately been listening to a lot of non-metal. I, I made a terrible mistake in some ways of buying a really nice pair of headphones, and all of a sudden hearing music, you know, well well recorded and 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 very clearly, and and then that kind of changed, and then like a lot of the heavy guitar just didn't quite grab me as much as just a nice re nicely recorded acoustic guitar or some strings or something so that it's kind of for better or worse got me seeking different sounds anyway and this like compared to what we listen to and i've made the comment a couple of times this is so different the sound is so different it's so sparse and so simple that um it was a little shocking at first, but I'm okay with it. And, and you know, it's fun. Like most of it is, is a lot of fun as well, which I'm kind of enjoying as well because we've come from a pretty heavy doom band and, and metal is often preoccupied with death and sort of <laughs> other nasty things. So it's nice to just have a fun album to listen to. And um, it's very varied. So that was the other thing as well as the simplicity was the variation in styles. Perhaps I'd like... That's my big question going into the next album. Apart from his singing voice, will, will will that kind of develop a little and change? Will they try and meld together their influences a little more rather than just having different, very different songs? Are they going to try and sort of bring them together some in some way and weave it together within a song? Um, 
which would be but, ideally what will happen. That's and that's where and I I honestly I don't know. I'm completely just speculating here, but I read something that led me to lead, to think of something and I'm just wondering if James Murphy doesn't just completely take control of the reins on the next albums in a way that I think this might have been a little bit more shared. Right. And so I wonder if if that's going to change things. Okay. Um but beyond that, I mean, yes, I enjoyed it. Some of it felt I felt like he was making a nod and a wink to people in the know and I'm not one of them. So I felt like a little bit like, um, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, like that's what's of, going on over here. Like that, yeah, like when you're trying to join in a conversation at a party and, and realize, <laughs> hang on. Um, so yeah, I felt a little bit of that with this album, but um, that didn't stop my enjoyment of it. I did enjoy it. It's fun. It sounds great. And yeah, I'm in. I'm in for the ride, and I'm glad we've chosen something new. I think after this, and then we've got Tame Impala, don't forget, I think I'll be looking to like something just crushingly, skull-crushingly heavy, heavy metal just to sort of get back, you know, get back to my usual stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it and um, I'm happy to go along for the ride and very interested to see where he goes next. The um, I To your point earlier about the headphones, and I hope that I'm not sort of ostracized from the the metal community for saying this but the thing about getting new are those those aren't the new headphones right no these are the crappy no. old, these are my crappy uh, um the thing about getting like new headphones and and when you're listening to kind of some of the music is some of those like the old classic metal albums sound pretty shit <laughs> in new <laughs> in new sound systems <laughs> And some of it's just kind of like tinny and thin, and it's just like, damn. And he wants, you've got like this new, you want something full and big, and just some of those old classic metal albums, just sound wise, don't, don't cut it. Mm. Is that it? Am I out? Are you getting a new host <laughs> next week? No, it's no. I think it's a good point. Uh, but then some bands, like some of the old bands, sound good too. Like ACDC still sound good. Like just, but that, like, I'm much more enjoying just a a, a less distorted guitar than I used mm. to. Like, I used to want all my guitars to sound like entombed. Ah, that's age. But now I'm just like just a, a good, just a good rock guitar, or even like mm -hmm. uh, an acoustic, as I mentioned. It's just you know, it doesn't have to be all distorted and, and crunched up now. So anyway, yeah, maybe it is. It age. I know I don't know if it's age, um, but it's funny you say that because this is in in, in listener. If if you have any recommendations, I just I want like just like a good new modern rock band, just like a good just like a rock band. I'm just curious. I I just saw this best of 2023, and they had listed like the best new rock bands, and everybody sounded like uh, who was that band that came out was sounding like Zeppelin. Oh, Greta. Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Greta and I Van feel Fleet. like, and so like when Greta Van Fleet came out, you, you heard like where they're trying to sound like Ze Zeppelin and all the bands on this list were trying to sound like Greta Van Fleet. Uh, I'm like, well, this is, this is a weird rabbit hole we've gone down. And mm. I was just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking for like just a good, as you said, like just a rock, like a modern rock band. Yeah. Uh, 
struggling. Right. Yeah, send in your suggestions, listeners, um, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, I did hear, um, we did get a, an email, because I hardly ever check them, but I'll start, don't let that stop you, listeners. Send one in, I'll check it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I did get, an, we did get another email from uh, our regular emailer, Matt, Matthew Melvin. Oh, Maddie. Uh, so, yeah, he sent me some pictures of his Caius collection and some cool posters and stuff. So, um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, keep sending them in, Maddie. It's always nice to hear from you. And Martin Popoff's got plenty of spam for us too. But if you want to send us something, including a suggestion for a good modern rock band, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. Our email is unshufflepod at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to catch the show notes, we've got a few things to link to here and there. So we'll pop the show notes up you know, a few days after you hear this podcast, or maybe it'll be there already. They're all at unshufflepod.com, our fantastic, lovely website. So please have a look at that. And we're on Twitter as well, at unshufflepod. So they're, at, they're the three. Three ways to check us out. So thanks, Scott. I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Can't wait. And they're playing yep. in Lisbon. They're, they're coming here in, in August. So I'm going to get to see this band um, at, at headlining a big festival here. Which And I went to the festival last year. So I'll be going again. And I'll have to I, stay till the end this time and, and listen to them. I still haven't gotten over my envy that you saw Atomic Bitch Wax. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, still pro, I'm still processing that. Yeah. I, I just wish you had been there, Scotty. But anyway... Uh, I still think it will happen someday. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so thank you, Small Stone and Seven Planets, for the use of the the track you hear in the opening and closing sections. You'll hear it again in a moment. The track is called Vanguard off the album Explorer. Go to Small Stone's website and check out Seven Planets and all the other great Small Stone bands while you're there. They're an excellent label and they've been good to us. Thanks, Scott. Enjoyed it. It was uh, short and sweet, but uh, enjoyed it all the same. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Thank you listener.